0: Listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 318. Ronaldo Returns. The Hello everybody and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast thinking to yourself this is an unusual voice for the intro and that is because Frank is not present for this episode as he has got himself lost in somewhere in Maine with no real internet access. So it's just just the two of us
1: today. We can make it if we try, Eddie.
0: Yeah. Sam, how are you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. I, I didn't realise that dial up modem was still a thing on the east coast of the USA, but I'm I'm learning now. So yeah, but doing pretty good. Um, what about yourself? All good over there?
0: Yeah, I'm all right. I mean, I'm out of Paris, but with an internet connection that's stable enough for me to have a an online video call, so the year I've, I've made it to this decade here. Yeah, but, the greatest uh, country in the
1: world, eh? USA.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and it's also worth noting something that we discussed pre-podcast, but Frank's trip to the wilderness has also meant that we, we have a lost episode, the first ever lost episode in the history of the Big Jill podcast, because an episode that we recorded at the beginning of this week is unusable due to technology technol- technological reasons, if I can get those oh, words out.
1: <laughs> so tell me about the editing here. So basically, his audio is atrocious. So would it be weird just you and I talking and not having Frank's involvement, or...?
0: No, so the question isn't, I mean, for people listening, and I guess if you're considering starting a podcast, we use something called Riverside FM as the software we use for our calls. The great thing about it is it records everything locally and then uploads it to the cloud, meaning that we get a higher audio and video quality, regardless of the quality of the internet connection that the person has. Now, that should, you would have thought, help someone like frank to overcome some of the difficulties that he was having however his internet is so bad that i think the system hasn't even registered that it was trying to record something from his computer (laughs) so there's just no files to work with so say we had an hour and a half worth of audio for the two of us frank has about 55 minutes of audio for him so Yes, I could probably desperately try and piece in his weird comments from time to time and try and sync it all up. But, you know, if it had been the greatest episode we'd ever recorded, I'd probably try and do that. Certainly, if it had been an interview, I would have tried to have done it. But, I mean, the only thing people will have really lost, I suppose, is our reaction to the latest episode of Ted Lasso.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. I was going to say, could we try and... piece together frank snippets from other episodes to make like some sort of like hybrid of frank responding to our talk
0: i mean i guess what we can say is right we all felt that this was the best episode of ted lasso so far we're speaking about episode five because i guess by the time people have listened to this episode six is out already so Mm, second to last episode best episode so far nice to have roy kent back in the fold That gives us optimism for the remainder of the season, but still feel like it's batting below the average of season one. It was
1: was definitely kind of that um, episode where something big happened for the series, right? And um, it's kind of good that they're bringing Roy back in. And like you said, we're we're not here to judge the football, (laughs) but it did feel like it was going back to the football rather than these kind of love actually stuff and this romance stuff and... Yeah, I kind of look forward to the next one more than I have at any point this season. So good job,
0: Ted Lassie. And speaking of the football and speaking of people returning, I guess the big news from the world of sport this week is the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo has completed his move back to Manchester United today. And yeah, kind of came out of nowhere. Over the last 48 hours, it looked like he was going to City yesterday, Now, which is lucky for us because we normally record our episodes on a Thursday. If we'd done it yesterday, the discussion would have been Ronaldo to City. What does this mean for them? And then it would have been instantly out of date. So seemingly City felt like the deal was too expensive. From what it seems from reports, report, they A, didn't want to pay a fee to Juventus, and Juventus were pretty stuck on the fact that they wanted 20, 25 million pounds for Ronaldo. And then also felt that his wage demands were too high. So, I haven't. I, yeah, and Return returned to where he made his name. Yeah, I haven't seen
1: the wages. What's he expected? To well, be
0: on I saw that he's on 500,000 pounds a week at Juventus. The discussion was then he might cut drop to as low as 250,000 a
1: week. Oh, what a martyr. <laughs> um, you know,
0: do the messy. But I don't know. I don't know what he's finally agreed on. But you know he's 36 years old. Speculation was that he would sign a two-year contract with City. I don't know I actually know the length of the deal he's signed with United or if those details are out yet. But it certainly makes things interesting.
1: Yeah, crazy that what was it? So Manu paid Juventus what 12.8 million or something for him in for a 36-year-old. Now that has to be a record for a 36-year-old. Like in terms of like a transfer. You think so? Record. But it. This has been a crazy transfer market. Um, because usually when you hear the rumours of someone going to a club, that's it. It's it's a done deal kind of thing. So, you know, we had it with Messi where no one was ever thinking he wasn't signing for Barcelona. Then, all that happens, what happens? And PSG, within a couple of days, he's there. And then the same with Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, the second he comes out and says, I don't want to play for Juventus anymore, he was going to City, something happened, and then... Man, you even seem surprised. Like, Solskjaer came out and basically said, like, I didn't expect this, but they've clearly just chomped to the bit and gone, We've got to get I think
0: United were in an this. interesting position, right? Because their supporters had a pretty big backlash to the idea that he was going to go and play for City. Uh, they felt like he, the club and the player would kind of betray them slightly by allowing that to happen. I think. I don't know. It's inter- I mean, I'm a bit torn. He's still an incredible player, and I think for United, as he if he plays as this kind of centre forward role that he's he's held for Juventus over the last couple of seasons, he might solve a lot of their problems. He is 36 years old. There is also always the possibility that the wheels come off pretty quickly at some point. It does mean that their first choice strikers have a combined age of 70. So I don't know if you want that from your, you know, that's not normally something you're looking for. Also, I noticed a really interesting trend that, that got me thinking. Cristiano Ronaldo first signed for Manchester United in 2003, which was when the Taliban had their Uh-oh. resurgence um,
1: <laughs> in the original
0: <laughs> war in Afghanistan. And then he's obviously signed. So, I mean, could, could we try and start some weird conspiracy theory that Cristiano Ronaldo's involvement in at Old Trafford is somehow linked to the success of the Taliban in Afghanistan. I think that would be fantastic.
1: I I thought you were going to go with the like the fact that in 2003, he was actually playing with Solsha in, in that Manchester United team and now obviously the management. So I thought it was going to be some nice round circle story that you were saying. But no, it, it's linked to Islamic no. kind of state and rulership.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that would be that would be above me. But, no, I mean, it is weird, right, to have this idea that he and his manager now is a, is a, someone he played with originally at Manchester United for a couple of seasons. That's an unusual dynamic. But, I mean, seemingly that was a big selling point for him. And Bruno Fernandes supposedly played a pretty big role as a sort of player agent, convincing him that it was worth coming back and that the team would welcome him back and that he could play a, a central role in what they hope is them mounting a title challenge and also being successful in Europe.
1: Yeah. Um, it is a bit crazy. Like the, there was, there was that stat as well about the, so these kind of younger managers. And I, I think I told you about the stat that the last time Arsenal were in the Champions League, Mikel Arteta was the captain of Arsenal in that game against Aubameyang. So it's kind of that weird scenario of when these kind of young players are playing against the kind of age people that are still playing. But there's other things in this transfer market, but what I want to get from you is that combined age thing is a really interesting one because, do man, you have an excuse now to not win the league, or would not winning a trophy be um, pretty pretty bad now because having a combined?
0: I think they got to win a trophy.
1: Domestic, so the FA Cup. I think they've okay? got to win a trophy. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's throw out the League Cup, A, because it's kind of City's competition with the way they're able to manage their squad anyway, so beating City in the League Cup takes a little bit of luck. I still think the gap to City's pretty big. They'll forget a bit of momentum, that's for sure. Coming into this now, you feel like if you're in the United camp, you must there must be real optimism there, especially then when you feel as if City have missed out on what they hoped would happen and seemingly are now content to stay as they are and have Gabriel Jesus as their main forward. Which, look, when everything fires for City, it doesn't matter who's up front. You or I could score 20 goals a season playing in the City team. But when push comes to shove in a really tough match, you know, Jesus probably is just a little step down on the quality that they would want. So to have missed missed out on Kane seemingly not planned on and supposedly part of the reason why City kind of backed out of this was partly because within their uh, team they were unsure as to whether or not Ronaldo would solve any problems for them and it also goes completely against their normal transfer policy by signing someone older and so I don't know. I think if you're United, he would be optimistic, but it's still a big gap to close. And then also, obviously, Chelsea have also taken some steps forward and Liverpool will probably be more competitive, assuming that they avoid the same injury problems that they've had last season. So I don't know if you'd say it's title or fate or nothing or Champions League or title or nothing, but they definitely need to be top four now. They definitely need to be close. They need to be involved yeah. in the title race. I'll say that they can't be 10 points off in third.
1: Yeah, I I mean, it's pretty insane that you've got a team with, you know, Pogba. They've signed Sancho. They've got all, you know, obviously they've got Ronaldo now. Well, it looks like they've got Ronaldo. And we're not talking about them as title favourites by that much. And then you've got Chelsea with Lukaku. And they signed, obviously, all the people they did last year with Havats and people like that. And they're not being spoken about as the title contenders. It speaks to the strength of the Premier League. At the moment, that those top four, the, I haven't even brought up Liverpool. You brought up Liverpool, and I haven't even mentioned them yet. But obviously, they've got the old guard that did them so well with like Salah and Firmino. Um, it's it's a hell of a top at the Premier League, um, which is great. It's going to be great for us week in week out. Seeing Ronaldo, and uh, at one point, it was almost messy. Um, that was something I found interesting about City. Is like they're not getting Kane they apparently didn't want Messi. Like, that was the kind of rumor that that was turned down. Obviously, they've turned down Ronaldo now. And now you've got these rumors about Guardiola saying that he's gone in 2023. like
0: Well, they're not rumors. He 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 came out and said it.
1: Yeah. But it's kind of interesting.
0: He said he's leaving at the end of his contract. It's kind of
1: interesting, the the feeling around Man City at the moment. They're title favorites. I imagine with the bookies, they still are. But it's just a bit of a weird one. You know, they got Grealish, but... You feel like one of those three would have gone to someone like City, right?
0: I'm not surprised by Messi. The Ronaldo one, it seemed like they were being more opportunistic than it was part of their plan. So I understand why they then decided, no, this isn't isn't what we had in mind. And let's not do something dumb because it seems like the smart move right now. And we'll regret it 12 months from now. The Kane one, the fact that they've just not been able to push the Kane deal through. You know, something similar happened to them when they originally tried to sign Van Dyke from Southampton and Southampton held out for this specific fee that City weren't able to match. And then in the end, Liverpool matched it, you know, a few months later. City have this moment when, even though you would imagine they have endlessly deep pockets, they pick a valuation for a player and they won't go above it, which is admirable. But sometimes you wonder if that might hold them back from turning themselves into a sort of all-time great team. I'm surprised they're not at all involved in the race for Mbappe, who it seems is headed towards Real Madrid. Now, that might be because Mbappe's camp has just told them he wants to go to Real Madrid. That's his dream. That's where he wants to play, which I think is probably the case. But still, the fact that they're just not involved at all, you know, then everything will be in the Holland race next season when his release clause, his 65 million pound release clause comes into play next summer and everyone in Europe is going to be bidding for him. I did see reports of what supposedly his salary demands will be next summer. They are astronomical. What?
1: What is it? I haven't
0: seen them. Supposedly 850,000 pounds a week Mm-mm. is what's being thrown out there. Wow.
1: I bet the, agency I, can't, well, I, the agents can't wait, right?
0: I, well, uh, Raiola, his agent, supposedly as part of the package, he wants 35 million pounds, I believe. That's such a scourge. And, <laughs> I mean, the argument would be, right, that look, you're getting maybe the best goal scorer in the world for – a third, a fourth, a fifth of the price that he would go for on a true open market. So you're still saving money even if you give us all this money. But I, don't, I do feel like we could speed, this could be the city window closing. Not, not yet, but we could kind of see the end of their sort of period of dominance coming to a close. Guardiola leaving doesn't surprise me also doesn't surprise me that he's interested in going into international management. I mean, we spoke about it, right, that the timing could be just right for Southgate to leave after a disappointing World Cup and Guardiola to come in and replace him. I'm sure Guardiola is probably aware of that being a possibility. He did specifically say that he was tempted by the idea of going to South America and managing there. This is something that he likes, that he wants the experience of a Copa America because of how tense it is. But yeah, the question I have for you is how much do you think Ronaldo was motivated to leave Juventus after seeing the outpouring of emotion and excitement and attention from Messi leaving Barcelona? And how much do you think he thought, I'm not going to let Messi have a summer in the limelight. I'm also going to make a move and put myself on the front pages of every sports paper.
1: Ronaldo, I, I don't really like the attitude of this kind of thing. Like, uh, I said it about Kane as well. Like, I, I'm I'm not a fan of people like that refuse training because they're trying to force a move. I, I didn't like the fact that Ronaldo just comes out and says, I don't want to play for you anymore. Sell me. I, I, part of me is curious whether he was like, sell me to Man City because they're interested in me. And then all of a sudden they pull out and he's like, oh, I've got to go somewhere. So then he's like, uh, childhood club, Man you something like that. And he basically just goes around going, you know, sign me, sign me. Um, I guess that's the interesting part of all this, right? Is that this is a really, really prolific transfer window. You know, like Mbappe going to, potentially going to Real Madrid. Was that caused maybe by the fact that Messi coming into PSG may have stolen his limelight? Messi going to PSG as that stolen Ronaldo's limelight. So obviously he wants to do that. And then in the UK or in the Premier League, you had kind of Grealish and then Kane staying. Like there's so many big ticket names that are kind of moving. And what looks like knee-jerk moving, right? All of a sudden, Messi signs for PSG and Mbappe's like, I want to go somewhere else. And then, as you say, Messi signs and Ronaldo suddenly comes out of nowhere and says... I don't want to play for Juventus anymore. And then you've got Kane going back to Spurs and being like, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, So I'm not a fan of the style, but I actually wouldn't be surprised if some of these big names wanted the limelight whilst the movement's happening. So I, I think it was.
0: Yeah. I mean, overall spending this window, right, is down, but I agree with you. This is the most superstars that may have moved in a single window. Uh, certainly to see the two greatest players on Earth move at the same time is surprising. And I would not have... I mean, if you'd be making big money if you made that prediction a couple of months ago. I still... I mean, Kane obviously has come out now and committed his future, or at least his, in the next 12 months, to Spurs.
1: Yeah, I'm committed to this season to Spurs. I too. feel a little
0: sorry for him. I feel like he got involved in a game that he's probably not suited to against someone like Daniel Levy, who, you know, absolutely is. And he's lost it. And the thing with Kane is, I mean, I like the idea of players being one club players and building their legacy somewhere. And I think sometimes that can be more important than winning things. However, if you do want to have a global legacy, if you do not go to big clubs and win things your reputation just dwindles over time. I think a good example of that is Alan Shearer, who is generally underappreciated for how good of a footballer he was. And, I mean, he even managed to win the Premier League with Blackburn. It was just pre the Premier League being the biggest show on earth. If he had, instead of joining Newcastle, gone to Manchester United, I think the way he would be perceived now, particularly from people outside of England, which is which is one thing right within England he still has that sort of level of respect he doesn't really if you speak to if you start talking about greatest goal scorers of the last 20 years or best footballers of the last 20 years with people not English share will not make the list and so I kind of feel sorry for Kane that he may in the end end up being sort of pegged as a as a big fish in a small pond who managed to do things because when he was the best player on the team and the team was suited, sort of built around him, that, yeah, he could score goals, but would he ever have really done it if he'd gone somewhere bigger and more challenging? So I feel a little bit, as much as I can feel sorry for a very successful footballer earning tremendous amounts of money and living a life that I would dream of.
1: You can only empathize with them, can't you? You can only relate to their scenario of being that loaded. He's He's got the Premier League goal record, right, in, in his eyes as well. So he w- he'll he want to stay in the Premier League, I think, until that's done. So I, I can't see him leaving until he's either broken it or it looks pretty clear that in three years he's had two, five, three five-goal seasons and he's not going to break it. But yeah, he's he's kind of restricted to the Premier League. And I think the Man City move was that moment. I'm not sure it can happen again. I mean, and now of course you brought up Man U with Ronaldo and Cavani. They're going to need strikers again, maybe in a year's time. So who knows? Like the the kind of movement of Haaland, the movement of Kane is going to I be think, to the Manchester clubs.
0: Yeah, I think whichever one of them misses out on Haaland will get Kane. Because they, from Spurs, you know, the, the yes, you got you're from a, you got a strong position when there's three years left on the contract it weakens significantly when that cuts down to two. Because then everyone will be telling you, yeah, you can kind of negotiate now, but if you wait another 12 months, you can't negotiate at all. Because then you're, then everyone will be saying, take the money or he's leaving on a free. So I think he'll probably leave next summer. I think the likely destination still will be City because I think Holland's wage demands and are just going to rule him out of, of that deal. It's also Raiola is his agent, who Guardiola despises. So I think, I mean, a lot of people are speculating that United is where he wants to go because he really gets along with Solskjaer because they work together at Molde. I don't, yeah, I don't, I think Kane will get his move, but I, I kind of hope he does. Obviously, if I was a spire supporter, I would be feeling really differently. And I do overall like, loyalty in players and i like that he has pretty quickly come around yes he sort of made his moves but he has before the window he hasn't dragged it out to the last day of the transfer deadline hoping that something will happen and trying to force spurs to keep cutting the price he's basically realized i'm probably not going to win this one let's get back back to business and back to scoring goals
1: Exactly. And especially when you've got the crowd on your side, right? That That's the right time to do it. I'm trying to think of like examples of people that just went way too far with it. Like Berahino, I think was one of the examples of someone that just full on was like, nope, this is done. I was promised something. And who was the really famous one? It was like Wingy, wasn't it? I think when he tried to force the move and he basically was driving up to go yeah, he went to, for them. Yeah,
0: yeah, he went to the training ground.
1: Yeah. yeah and it's like Sorry, mate, you don't work here. <laughs> this isn't where you go. Um, the Yeah, this transfer window has been great. And, uh, you know, just from a purely, you know, Arsenal weren't going to beat Man U this year in terms of Premier League positioning, but it's great to see Ronaldo probably end his career in England now, right? So kind of where it all started, where it all ending. It's quite a nice time. It's quite a nice way of tying it all up. And I imagine he probably saw the fairy tale in that as well. So um it's one of those weird ones because his record at man u looks pretty bad compared to real madrid and juventus. What was it like 450 goals at madrid in about as many games and then Juve it was about 110 in like 130 but his man u one is like 110 in 240 or something like that. So it looks pretty bad. So if he can add to that and make it better he would he would certainly make his um cement his position but If if I was the La Liga, Serie A, the French League, the German League as well, you know, you've got to look at the Premier League now and think like, wow, (laughs) like you've got teams that are second. It's a
0: huge blow, a huge blow for Serie A. Lukaku and Ronaldo leaving, but in particular Ronaldo, because you kind of had this major star power, and now when you start to, I mean, I watched some of the Inter Milan game tonight. They got Ed, they got playing up front at Inter Milan, which, you know...
1: Third choice city at one point. Yeah,
0: so, and he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but it does, you have seen, you know, whereas last year you could have argued Inter against Juventus was as good of a match as you could have maybe seen anywhere in Europe. Now it feels second rate, and there's just a distinct lack of star power in the league. Still very good players, and the, the teams may do very well in Europe, but... Yeah, it's 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 a big blow for Syria. But seeing as Ronaldo is rejoining United, having originally signed for them in the summer of two thousand and three, I thought Sam, I'd put you to a test and see how well can you remember the year two thousand and three.
1: Is is one of the answers the Taliban? <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> Let's start off with who was voted FIFA Footballer of the Year in two thousand and three.
1: Ooh, I'm trying to think of some of the players immediately. I wanted to say Shevchenko. I don't know why, but that might have been Ballon d'Or rather than FIFA footballer of the year. Um, you know what? I'll stick with my gut. I it came it, it straight away, came to my head, so I'm gonna go Shevchenko.
0: It is Zinedine Zidane, who. <laughs> <laughs> if if memory serves, I think his Hamden volley in the Champions League final was the 2002 Champions League. It was either 2002 or 2003, but I think it was 2002. So it then makes sense.
1: Wow, that's nearly 20 that, years ago.
0: Yeah, no, it's a long time ago. All right.
1: All right, no, no for one for question,
0: on. question number two. How many days did David Blaine remain in his Perspex box for his infamous stunt?
1: That was in London, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Can I get half a point just for that? <laughs> just for where it was? <laughs>
0: no, that was a pretty basic detail.
1: Yeah. Um, 50 days? I'm thinking he might be dead if he wasn't eating. <laughs>
0: Close. 44.
1: Ah, okay. Damn. Wait, he had no In food? March, or did he? I, I can't remember he, this. Did he take food up with him? He, oh.
0: he had no food, supposedly. Okay. There is speculation. I think you can do a pretty interesting, go down a pretty interesting rabbit hole on the internet where people try and figure out how he survived. I think a theory that a lot of people subscribe to is that there is sort of some sort of nutrients on the inside of the box. So that he was able to lick the box at times and sort of suck up nutrients that he needed to live. But that's
1: we're not allowed to call people
0: window lickers anymore. Yeah, well, he was for 44 days, he was. So, yes, uh, let's spick to spick. Let's switch to window lickers. Uh, Let's switch to entertainment. In March two thousand and three, which twenty nine year old became the youngest ever recipient of the Best Actor Oscar?
1: (laughs) I'm not very good at this. Um, two thousand and three. Trying to think of any pretty good films. Or wait, did you say?
0: Would you like a clue?
1: Winner or nominated? Winner. winner okay
0: do you uh, want a clue yeah sure <laughs> it was for a war movie or war film or at least a film set during a war
1: Two thousand three. no that's got to be wrong i was thinking of the one where the the, the um andrew garfield i was thinking uh in what do you call it um the one where he's the pacifist in the Vietnam War. Wait, um, Andrew
0: Garfield in the Vietnam War?
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't remember that. Um, uh, now I'm thinking about that. I've completely ignored your question. And I'm thinking about something else. I don't know. I'm, we're calling this one a hard pass.
0: Yeah, this is Adrian Brody, who won for The, the Pianist. Oh, I never saw it. Good movie you should <laughs> is it, add is that it to is the it? list of things you should watch but won't
1: <laughs> okay i look forward to not watching that
0: which female solo singer had the eighth biggest selling single of the year that's a little bit of a so many s's a little bit of a tongue twister the biggest selling single not to have reached number one i oh god um <laughs> my clue would be you haven't heard much from her since about 2003.
1: Oh, that really doesn't help because I don't remember anyone from 2003. (laughs) Um,
0: And you're most likely to hear her music now through one of her songs being sampled in another song.
1: Oh, I still have no idea. Even a guess is stupid, but I was going to say someone like... No, no, I, I don't know. Actually, no. Hard pass. Hard pass on that one as well.
0: (laughs) It is Dido.
1: No way. I would have thought that was like... Wait, didn't she get number one for Stan, though?
0: Well, that's Eminem.
1: Oh, it's featuring her. Oh. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Well, we spoke about the war in Afghanistan. Oh. But now we can switch to the war in Iraq. In March 2003, when the House of Commons backed war with Iraq, how many yes votes were there out of a total of 561?
1: So Labour was pretty powerful then. There was quite a lot of objectors. I'm going to say about 310.
0: Incorrect. (laughs) The correct answer is 412. Wow.
1: Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess they had most of the seats, right? So most people were going to toe the line. Ah, see, you, you dangled the politics question. Should have been
0: better. What was the name of the weapons expert who was found dead in the woods near his home in July 2003? What? I don't even... Was this famous? P- pretty sure this was someone who, if I'm remembering this story correctly, I think he was somehow linked to the WMD discussion. Oh. And then died under suspicious circumstances near his home. Oh, yeah, I believe in the United Kingdom. This is. I don't know.
1: It's a great story, though. <laughs> nice conspiracy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> his name was Doctor David Kelly. Oh,
1: I remember. Okay, yeah, I remember the name. Um, that's depressing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess that wraps up my quiz of the year of two thousand and three. Yes
1: zero <laughs>
0: big fat zero for you
1: <laughs> i'm used to i'm used to disappointing so wow nearly 20 years ago that sucks ronaldo and he's still playing he's still kind of showing people <laughs> like how to do it
0: that's what i thought was interesting we've discussed before right wayne Rooney's pretty rapid fall from grace and how and times it must be depressing for him I did think of it yesterday again when he was being asked about the possibility of Ronaldo being going to City and he was saying he didn't think it would happen. I did think the contrast there of Cristiano Ronaldo still incredibly relevant being this sort of major transfer talk that's getting the world's attention versus Wayne Rooney who obviously the two of them played very well together at the start of their careers being asked about that in a press conference on rams tv as darby county manager after
1: almost relegating them as well going from one of the most stable positions to a last what 20 minute goal that um kept them up
0: yeah i think you, you could maybe argue he's doing an all right job now that it's a very difficult situation and he might be making the best of it but certainly they're living in very different worlds. Absolutely. That is
1: that is crazy. One thing I've got to ask, though, is obviously Barcelona came out and they said that they've got debts of like 1.1 1. 1 billion or whatever it is. And Real Madrid are widely acknowledged to have debts of like a similar level. And yet they can bid 140 million for Mbappe. I, I don't get financial fair play. Am I missing a point here that... We know the club's in debt, and they've always come out and said, we have to sell players because of the debt situation at Real Madrid. Is it just the corruption of the Spanish kind of like royal family and government doing this to allow them? Because for me, it's just crazy that that is allowed.
0: Um, I mean, I think the financial fair play rules, you obviously both have the domestic rules and then the the UEFA rules. I think they are so inconsistently and unfairly... up enforced I think for the most part they punish smaller teams I think Barcelona basically have just gotten in trouble for going way overboard in terms of where their salary expenditure was relative to their revenue I think Real Madrid aren't in quite as desperate of a situation I also would imagine that Barcelona's revenue minus Messi is going to take a huge hit whereas Real Madrid stays much more consistent even when they don't have the the huge star power So, I think, like I think it's just unfortunate if the sort of gaze of the world falls upon you with this financial fair play stuff. And Barcelona just close to, I mean, at risk of going out of business. So there wasn't even necessarily fear of transfer embargoes or fines or points deductions. Was just a case of maybe not being able to. They'd already right. They'd, we spoke about it on a previous podcast how they have this crazy system where they only pay people twice a year. You get your pay in January and June, and then in January they missed the the salary payments, and then had to make them a couple of months later. So clearly they had cash flow issues that probably wasn't going to get any better. So I think that's that was their bigger concern more than the financial fair play. I mean, look, you have. Bayern Munich up in arms saying that this is a rigged game and that they manage themselves sensibly and that PSG, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Manchester City, Barcelona, whoever it is, are just out there flaunting all of the rules and they just don't matter, which they're true. They're right, 100% spot on. But then even worse, you know, I support a football club that's had a transfer embargo for losing more than they're supposed to lose in a 36-month period that's great, but it would just never happen to, and I get why they have those rules in place to try and stop clubs from going out of business, but that would never be applied to Manchester United or Manchester City, in part because what those clubs would do in response to someone trying to put that in place is turn around and do what City did to UEFA and say, okay, we'll spend the next 20 years in court and we've got more money to spend on lawyers than you do, so if you want to do this, we'll do this, and equally risk- you know, the business of football and the business of sports in general sort of exists in this world where we accept most of the rules that get applied and the laws that get applied to the rest of the employment laws and stuff, but we allow there to be these weird exceptions for professional athletes that we wouldn't accept in our day-to-day lives, and the risk you have is once it starts becoming litigious that those rules will be removed because a court of law is not going to protect the traditions of football because that's how it's always worked. I mean and obviously you had something like the Bosman ruling doing that probably for the betterment of football but then ultimately now we're in a stage where I think a lot of people would probably rather not have had the Bosman ruling. It was great for player power and it probably came at a time when players had absolutely no power but now it feels as if the pendulum swung too far the other way. I think people would love it if you couldn't just leave on a free transfer at the end of your contract because what we're seeing now is most players just running those contracts down until they get to the point when they can then say, either sell me or I'm leaving anyway. So it's up to you.
1: And it's also why, because like you say, you, you can leave obviously when kind of out of contract, go wherever, but it applies six months, 12 months before. So clubs obviously make contracts offers longer And then in a world where kind of you can be socially mobile very easily, you know, moving to a European club is so simple. Um, Very few people are going to want to commit to like these five-year deals, six-year deals. And, you know, for fans looking at it, it just looks like why sign them anyway when you're going to leave in a year? There's no, there never feels like that commitment anymore. Like if, um, I don't know, just trying to think of like a, a talent, if like Tierney at Arsenal, signed up to, like, a seven-year deal, I would just think to myself, like, I don't expect him to be there for seven years. Yeah, he's got a seven-year deal. Like, it just means nothing to me. Um, So, yeah, the Bosman one's interesting. Arsenal got Sol Campbell from it, though, so it was pretty good during that time. I guess that's why the Super League almost did well, right? Because from a business perspective, they felt they had the financial clout to just go and do what they wanted. And it's a similar argument, right, with the fair play is, like we have enough to take you into court to go to whatever it needs to be for however long it needs to be. And you don't have the power to do that really, or the the long length, the reason the super league failed was probably more to do with fan backlash than it was to do with like business or UEFA. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I still think not that I'm sympathetic for any of the clubs that push for the European super league, You definitely, when you then look at Barcelona and Juventus now, understand far more as to why they're in favor of something so drastic that would have brought in much-needed revenue for them. I mean, they can see the writing on the wall that there is every chance five years from now they're not really relevant on the European sort of level, just because you know PSG are going to outspend them. The money in the Premier League is so huge; the Premier League clubs are always going to outspend them. And they're going to lose their superstars to those teams pretty much whenever either the player wants it or another club wants it. So, you know, it was a stupid idea and badly managed. But I can understand why internally it might have felt like the last option for some very desperate people. Because, I mean... You know, going back to 2003, we don't have to go back that far before Barcelona weren't that good. It's very easy to sort of, we now live in this world where Barcelona have been good and been relevant for 20 years. But in the 1990s, they weren't anything special. And so it feels difficult to imagine it now, just because of how good they've been for such a sustained period of time. And because a lot of other clubs have managed to maintain relevance even you know even united for example who have fallen away a bit they've still stayed they're not sort of they're not mid table now all of a sudden but barcelona if other clubs play it right in la liga barcelona could suddenly be a team that are finishing 5th 6th 7th in the league consistently and without yeah. much happening and,
1: and also in serie a like juventus are a, one of the rare examples of like a club that owns their stadium right they build their stadium they own it so they get all the revenue attached to it whereas You know, I know why the Milans want to leave because they get a pretty bad deal on the San Siro and a lot of people don't. So I I know in Italy, Juventus, match-fixing scandal aside, uh, have a good source of revenue that has been so well established in other stadia and other places now that I would worry about Serie A big time, losing that star power, because that's been the problem with Serie A over the past 10, 15 years, is that they didn't have star power. They're all in um, La Liga or the Premier League, but... The PSG can't carry Liga. They need. They would need someone else to come up. They would need not Marseille to start spending sixty million plus on players, and that's not happening anytime soon. Like you say, if Barcelona play this wrong, Atletico Madrid looks strong. Real Madrid, if they get Mbappe, could look strong. So it could very much shift power back to Madrid. And then the Premier League is just sat there looking great. Like you've got four teams with incredible players in that big four at the top that could be anyone in Europe. And um, I was actually, actually, there you go. I may have segued myself. Speaking of all the big teams in Europe, the Champions League draw obviously um, took place as well. And you've got some pretty, pretty appetizing ties in there. Some pretty difficult groups. I mean, just most people would have heard it, but um, Man City and PSG were drawn against each other uh, in Group A. Group B looks ridiculously strong in terms of Milan, uh Atletico Madrid, Liverpool and Porto. And then uh what were the other ones? Barcelona and Bayern and Benfica, all the B's, seem to be against each other. Man U seem to have got it pretty easy. And Chelsea V Juventus. So for me, the um Man City PSG is the standout group stage game. Like I would have loved for that to be kind of the final, uh, but it's probably not going to be. Is there any Anything you've seen there you, you like in the Champions League? Any any ties? Any interesting things happening?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you touched on it. The two, uh, three most interesting groups: Group A with City and PSG, Group B with Milan, Atletico and Liverpool and Porto, where there's just no clear weak side, and you know, on their day, any one of them could beat the other. Even if I would expect Liverpool to win that group, and uh, Real Madrid and Inter are in the same group, but then there's a drop off after that, so. Those will be two good matches, but I think they'll both qualify. Barcelona, Bayern, Benfica. If Benfica can spring a surprise somewhere, then that could get interesting. Manu, the big yeah. winners, though, are United in being dealt a fairly straightforward group, and also Dortmund. And I think with the Holland situation going on, right, and also a club that tries to run itself financially in a financially sensible manner, the idea that they can... They got Ajax, Besiktas, and Sporting. They'd still they'd expect to go through that group. Probably, I mean, they would expect to win that group. That w- puts them in a nice position. They kn- they'll know that Holland's leaving next summer, so it's not going to help them convince him to stay. But at least does bring in that very valuable uh, revenue. But yeah, I mean the the dud group is Group G with Leal, Salzburg, Sevilla, and Wolfsburg. Sort of don't mean to be insulting to any of those teams, but it's not exactly when the multiple games are gonna be on to choose from, there's never going to be a week where the Group G match is the most interesting. It
1: it just looks like a good Europa League group. Like that's that's kinda of how yeah, it comes. Across.
0: Yeah, you could tell me it was the Europa League and I wouldn't I I wouldn't be able to tell you it was absolutely exactly. wrong.
1: Exactly. And also Chelsea are big winners, right? Because the one danger with Juventus would have been you know, having Ronaldo and obviously they've got like Locatelli and things like that, but now without Ronaldo or it looks like without Ronaldo, I don't know if it's actually a done deal to Man United, but Chelsea now just look clear favorites as opposed to. Yeah. It's a it done. Is, it's a, it's it is a done 100% deal. done. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, yes. I hope so for the sake of this podcast anyway, <laughs> like if it changes, uh, but yeah, Chelsea have gone from being like favorites to win that group to now being like clear favorites to win that group as well. So, um, Interesting. I I, I mean, I, I would have still put Man City. I, I still feel like it is going to happen under Guardiola. They will win the Champions League. Um, It's it's going to be harder with all the kind of star players going to what are kind of rival Champions League potential winners. But um, I would still put City at the moment if I was going to put money somewhere. I think they'll get out of that group easily, whether they're first or second. Um, and I think it will happen under Guardiola.
0: Yeah, I mean they've got the deepest squad apart from up front. It's just a question of can they get into another Champions League final and play with no one over the over six foot tall and no recognized you know forward in in the side. That will be that's the issue. But uh, yeah, they've got the the deepest squad, and they can they're the one team who you think, for example, over the course of a season, you are going to have one or two injuries. That disrupt things with city it takes five or six injuries realistically to, for them to be seriously impacted by them so yeah i i mean they are the sensible the sensible choice anything else uh, from the world of sport this week caught your interest
1: no honestly no um i would be curious to know if you've watched any of the paralympics though
0: no no I can I can tell you that is a okay. absolute zero um, on viewing times. I've not even seen I think I might have glimpsed at some highlights in the news, but even that I wouldn't say confidently.
1: I was looking at the um the sports that are unique to the Paralympics so um, I think there's a there's a couple but one of them was quite interesting It's this I think it's called goal. Oh, I can't remember the name now it's called like goal ball or something like that, where they've got like three players in like this court, and they've got a goal that's about like a meter two meters high maybe or like a meter half a one and a half meters, and it goes the length of the whole um the whole kind of court, and the ball has a bell in it, and the people that are on the in on the opposing teams are completely visually impaired, and then they've got to have a blindfold on as well it's really strange to watch. And the idea is that they, they throw the ball and they try and score. It it was kind of interesting to watch, but it's also a little bit strange to watch as well. But uh, that was one sport that I'm probably going to try and catch because it just looked interesting. But yeah, I haven't watched anything. I don't even know who's doing well or which countries do well. But
0: No, I mean, I've also... I had a, very, a fairly busy week work-wise and with other things, but also we've discussed some of my weirder YouTube viewing in the past. I now have a new, I don't know even what to call it, habit at the moment, which is, or interest, which is I've started watching trailers for movies from, say, 2000 to 2006 for movies that I did not see. And then deciding whether or not I missed out. Are you
1: are you are you trying to? So you obviously know about the movie, of course. It's not like some obscure no. movie. No, no, no. Oh. It's
0: no, no. It's a rabbit hole. So because <laughs> I've done it once or twice, I'm now on my suggested YouTube viewing. If I look at you know the sort of 15 videos suggested for me, if I go to the homepage, almost always one of them is a semi-obscure movie that probably includes. A pretty famous person but from 2002 2003 2004 and then once you click on one of them the next video is another movie trailer so in the space of 20 minutes you can you know knock out six movie trailers for movies you've never seen Trails with
1: were shit back then. yeah <laughs> like really shit oh. i feel
0: it's interesting and then i read some of the youtube comments to see because people are either being really critical of the movie or people saying oh it's their favorite i mean you can't read anything into it because i do wonder what the the sound strange coming from me who's watching them but the weirdos who are watching these trailers <laughs> if they have seen the movie if you see what i mean like oh i really enjoyed that movie i'm gonna go back and watch the trailer see what it was like
1: sometimes it is cool to watch a trailer like Say, like, I'll go back and watch like a Star Wars trailer because I remember in that moment being excited to have like a teaser trailer or, you know, to see some stuff. But I've watched like kind of Star Wars ones in the past. Like when the episode one came out in what was it? 1999. It just looks so bad. I don't know how I would ever be incentivized to watch a film based on a trailer. Like it just it's just a narrator talking half the time. It's just like, what happens when two guys get together in the galaxy?
0: <laughs> no, they're a little bit better than oh, that. Honestly, like trust me, they're a little bit better than that. No. But the interesting thing for me, there's one consistent theme is it made me realize how big Katherine Heigl was for a while, because she's in a lot of them. She is, you know, her her career well and truly fell off a cliff. Um, but they're... If you, if you do do, uh, Frank would have laughed at that, but if you do watch, uh, trailers from say 2000 to about 2010, she is regularly appearing in them. So have you found any films that you're going to watch? No, no, absolutely.
1: it's, It's been a success.
0: One of them kind of in, I was intrigued by, but then it also seemed really depressing and I didn't want to put myself through it but
1: what, what was it I want to see what it was called
0: oh, gosh I can't even remember what it was called hold on I'll, I'll find it
1: Saving Private Ryan
0: <laughs>
1: what happens when a group of American soldiers land on a French
0: beach <laughs> I've got to say Sam you're making that sound very gay <laughs> <laughs> It's
1: not... Was D-Day not gay? Was that not a gay moment?
0: Drag Day, yeah. Um Operation Oh my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie is from 2013 and it's called About Time. Wait. Oh, okay. I was thinking of
1: like what was the one that Justin Timberlake was in, like In Time or something like that. That's why I was. I,
0: this movie that. is probably more famous than I think it was. I can't remember ever seeing it anywhere, but it's it has Rachel McAdams, who Frank is a huge fan of, I believe, so he may all have seen it. it has uh, Bill Nye. It grossed eighty seven point one million worldwide. From a $12 million budget. So successful, but not a huge hit.
1: What what type of... Wait, I'm trying to think of the people in it. What What is it, like a drama? A, a rom-com? Rom-com seems pretty big it's in that It's
0: sort of decade. a rom-com, but sort of not. Obviously, I've not seen the movie. Basically, the premise... Oh, you've got to see it now. The premise is that all of the men in this family have the ability to travel back in time if they go into a dark room and specifically think of the time they want to go to. about time but only only to a time in their life so they can't they have to it has to be a moment in their lifetime and they can travel back to that moment and but obviously everything they change does change the future for them uh and so yeah it's the it's then about balancing going back to try and sort of perfect it to version to at some point going back in time just to relive moments not to change them
1: yeah, I'm going to watch the trailer now because you seem to have watched a lot. Like you say, you go down these rabbit holes, you probably watched a lot. So for this trailer for you to be like, oh, wow, there's something here.
0: I mean, it didn't look garbage, if, if you see what I mean. if I, If I now was flicking through the TV channels on a, you know, on a night when I was going to stay in and this was on, I'd probably watch it now. But I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it, even if going out of my way is probably just searching for it on Netflix. I'm not even going to do that. But yeah, that's my new hobby. It's a pretty easy hobby. It's free.
1: And you get to watch loads of ads, right? Do you pay for the YouTube No, or whatever it is? No, I mean that seems like a scam. I have never... Like, don't get me wrong, like, when YouTube puts three adverts, like, when it says one of three, I'm like, you're taking liberties, could you go away now? (laughs) But I have never got to a point where I was like, I need to part with 14 pounds a month.
0: That's also the killer too, right, with YouTube is it's really inconsistent. So sometimes you watch a video and you can go through with maybe one ad mid video and that's fine. Then other times you watch a 15 minute video and there's seven ad breaks over the course of that video. That sucks. Sometimes they're the ads that pop up that, yeah, you can skip after the five seconds. Sometimes you got to watch 20, 30 seconds of them, you know. But no, every once in a while I get tempted because they do bombard me with a two-month free trial, two-month free trial, two-month free trial. Sometimes I think, but then I just know I'll forget to cancel the free trial and I'll end up paying for, the, for YouTube, which would just trouble me greatly. You'd
1: be so upset at that. But yeah, I mean, the, the reason they do it is because they know that once you have the ad-free experience, you're not going to go back. But
0: I don't know. I think it's more they just know once they got your credit card details, you're probably not going to cancel. T- Apple TV's got me on this. Signed up for Apple TV for six months free, and Ted Lasso is the only thing I watch on Apple TV. And I'm paying six ninety nine a month to watch Ted Lasso episodes.
1: And only like four of them. <laughs> like-
0: yes. And then they're going to stop soon. And I'm still going to keep paying because in my mind, I'm going to be like, Ted Lasso season three is coming sometime. (laughs) And I won't even have enough energy to cancel the subscription and then start it again whenever the new Ted Lasso comes out. I'll just leave it running. I mean, my logic will be it's the cost of one beer. So I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Hell of a
1: beer, though. Uh, Tim Cook just got like a $750 million payout. And it's because of people like you. I'm now realizing (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean I do say this while speaking to you via my MacBook with my iPhone sitting next to me and you are have AirPods in on your iMac with your on my iMac with your iPhone sitting next to you. So yeah, I don't think it's just nah, people like it. me. But...
1: <laughs> They've got us. They've completely got us.
0: <laughs> yeah. Obviously we're missing the I need to work on our soundboard so that we can get little clips of Frank. So if he misses in the future, I can just press a button and have him come in with some weird statement. But uh, <laughs> it's something to work on for the future.
1: So what would he say? Like, all right, talk to you boys later.
0: <laughs> that is, well, and again, just <laughs> it doesn't that. sound quite so camp. <laughs> oh, really? Cause I... yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I guess. I guess I'll have to fill in the Frank role then saying talk to you later.
1: <laughs> and I'll say see ya and no one says Cheerio. Like exactly. are we just kind of backfilling? Okay. Yeah. Alright. Bye Frank.
0: See ya Frank. <laughs>